0: welcome back to the evolving hockey podcast my name is sean i'm joined by the evolving wild twins josh and luke how are you guys doing tonight
1: good doing how are you, fantastic how are you
0: doing sean i'm doing fantastic because we just had our first guest which we'll get to shortly so we recorded with shana goldman um yes. of many places the athletic and uh sports and i think we had like a good conversation for our first guest yeah. i was really excited about it i know yeah, I-, I
1: was excited too you know it was a I think it went very smoothly, cons- very smooth, considering that it was our first guest and there's coordination that has to happen with, I th- yeah, I think it went well. Yeah, so just t- everybody, to be clear, you will hear, if you keep listening, Shana will be in the second part after the break. So, well, you know. Yes, they will know that. I'm just saying. <laughs> they know that. Okay. It's just, in-, in case people were like, what are you-? I didn't hear a guest. <laughs> yeah, where is Shana? Where is Shana? I'm just saying, stick around. Yeah. We had a great well, conversation. Now yeah. they're going
0: to skip to the second part. But- I know. <laughs> Who, probably, who cares we're gonna get into in controversial about territory
1: us. here so yeah it's uh, probably better if people no i'm
0: just <laughs> <laughs> so uh shane is from new york i was actually in new york this weekend for our company christmas party have you guys been you guys haven't been in new york We've we had never been to New York City. Right?
1: i've never been in you're talking new york city correct
0: yes yeah
1: yes. we've been to rochester we've been to rochester which is not new york which is not many new people york. told us that yeah well it's upstate upstate, it's upstate. I know. I know. rochester's upstate no we've never we didn't been have to... a geography talk with shana because josh said shana was i think she's no uh, josh, don't spoil <laughs> it no it's don't we don't need any more <laughs> yeah, spoiling no, of, the, of our first guest who was this fantastic. is fantastic stick around this is the geography them. lesson. anyway is... sean sean you were in new york uh it sounded like you had a good time i think actually i don't
0: know if you did or which not. is not part of new england by no the way. it's not Jack, I that it's uh it's uh i don't know it was all right i'm the thing i don't like about about new york and i think you guys would well you guys are from the city part of minnesota but it's just it, there's no escaping it so i stayed downtown i stayed on like uh it's like courtyard on the corner of third ave in 53rd maybe it is oh man like it's like midnight and i want to go to sleep now i just got back to the hotel and like there's just honking like all night long (laughs) and it's like for what like the streets are kind of empty at that point too and it's like for what you just can't escape the noise and the lights and i like my little small town and so
1: Yeah, I mean, we, we've never been to New York City proper, um, but we've been to Chicago a lot of the time. And I think Minneapolis and St. Paul is a lot more spread out. There's more um, space. It's also the way it was designed. There's a lot more parks and kind of like, um, I don't know, trails and a lot of like that kind of thing. So it's, it's a little bit more spread out, but it's still pretty packed in. Chicago, though, is re- like the same way, where it's like you're in it and it takes you an hour to get outside the noise of Chicago. And that's the one thing I... Um, I love Chicago, but also it, it gets a little overwhelming when you're there for a while because it's just constant noise, like you were saying. And it's that's well, sog- they say the yeah. city never sleeps, right? Yeah, it's yeah. just like it's you guys like,
0: never sleep. Yeah, I know.
1: But also, like I like my quiet time yeah. when everyone else is sleeping and I'm awake, you know. Um yes. But uh, anyway, we'll have to get to we'll have to get to New York. You didn't get to a game, did you? You were just there for.
0: I I just went there basically for a day. Okay. It's, um, yeah, I went down there to work. We have a Manhattan office, and then. Uh, Christmas party and then went back the the next morning.
1: Yeah, speaking of, I believe the of New York. I think the, the Islanders losing streak ended, right? Did it? I thought I'm trying to ended, have a segue
0: here, <laughs> trying to segue, You're having a segue into the <laughs> Islanders. Well, we I, so I thought we already hit like our Islanders quota for the year. Yeah, that's Yeah, but I know I did. Uh, I
1: thought that they. I thought they won against Ottawa to end eleven games. I, I think
0: I'm off a little bit here.
1: I was trying to make a segue that was clearly wrong. <laughs> well, I, I, I
0: don't know them. Yeah I, yeah, I would like to say we we seem to be correct about them. Um, yes, uh, I know. Dom Dom put in like an adder into his model this year because it wasn't working out, and now he's paying for it. Yeah, actually, <laughs> although <laughs> like, he's still
1: doing his his game predictions are still doing better than ours. So you know. It's uh, it depends on it's, it's in the aggregate. I think, you know, we might've been right on where well, we got to wait. We got to wait till the end of the year. I think yeah, for our yeah. team projections,
0: you know, to, to see you where know, they,
1: the Islanders could go on a run. Who knows? Who you knows? Know? The Metro is crazy. The Islanders could.
0: One yeah. thing we maybe didn't take into account, um, or oh, I don't know. I guess you took it into account. It's in the model and whatever is that they started on the road for so long. Yeah. Same thing with the coyotes. Um, but the coyotes are. We all knew it would yeah. be really bad. Well, and I think and the the Kraken were- and... their taxes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well,
1: I don't oh. know if we want to get into that right now, but the Kraken also, I think, had like- Didn't the Kraken have like seven games on the road yeah. before their first home game? Yeah, the Kraken played a lot of games on the road before their first, which is probably one of the reasons why they're- uh, They had a, a rough start. Uh, Sean is, again, watching I'm, I'm, game Okay,
0: and... so if somebody's listening to this tomorrow, I think it's a penalty shot. Uh, I just missed this. I, I put back on on hockey and Troy Terry, I think, has a penalty shot here in overtime.
1: In you know, overtime?
0: Yeah, in overtime. Yes, he's got the penalty shot.
1: Why don't you Which, narrate again,
0: this? I'm not narrating it, but <laughs> I'm definitely going to watch it. He's definitely we could talk about the Ducks, too. Like, probably the most fun team to watch right now. Uh, with uh, The Zegras and he scored. Oh. Or did he go? It <laughs> was that crossbar? No, he scored. That was filthy. You gotta, you gotta watch it in but, overtime. Um, a penalty shot. Oh yeah, overtime? like filthy backhand. Like, I, like they oh won the God. game. Yes. Oh, that's fun. They're a super fun team to to follow right now. I know you saw. We could segment into Torts. It's oh God, that's <laughs> filthy. We could segment into the, like towards comments after this as well. I think it's a good segment, to, like our main sort of conversation before uh, Shana comes on. Um, but they're definitely super fun. And I feel like we get left out of this because of the analytics end of it. But Zegris with like, I guess they call it like the Michigan assist now or, or whatever, flipping the puck over the back, uh, the back of the net to Sonny Milano on the other end and batting it in. And then that's led to, you know, people trying it all over the world really to try to replicate this move and like their practices and whatnot. And the NHL, I think like basically tweeted out like a compilation of some videos, um, that they procured while searching through the internet. And it's like, it's just, that was like the moment of the week. And I know some people unfortunately had the take that, you know, something would have to be done or this isn't, this hurts the integrity of the game, but it was just like a super fun, um, Move and extremely impressive. Well, okay. from both from both and Milano because that's oh, like a yeah. really good hand eye coordination. Oh, it's yeah.
1: incredible. I mean, it's like any time that a player kind of bats, a, even just just batting a puck out of the air, I always feel like is really um, kind of an interesting aspect of like hockey, like plays. You know, like I've seen a few of those, but I don't. So, Sean, try and help me understand how this could in any way be bad for the game. Like, well, I didn't, I didn't quite just understand. I'm saying Sean, you're the normal hockey fan. You've been a hockey <laughs> fan. No, I'm I'm just kidding. I just I just I and maybe I didn't watch the whole full segment from Torrets, right? And maybe we should clarify. Torrets basically Tortorella. was saying Tortorella on the was it the ESPN ESPNs. broadcast? Um, in discussion, and I think it was in between broadcast uh, or periods or something. They were basically he was saying that he he basically said he thought that that kind of move or that kind of goal was bad for the game, um, which I think that that and he phrase... was the only,
0: he wasn't the only one that said that stuff too. I think like Rick Tockett, who's like I think he's in in conversations for like the Philadelphia coaching job, like said basically okay. something very similar. So
1: I, I guess I just don't understand like where because if it was. I don't know, me personally, right, if it's bad for the game, like, I think that kind of thing is like, well, if you do that enough and you don't do it well, right, like then you're just going to look kind of like a fool out there trying it over and over, and you can't do that, right? So, like, eventually people are either going to figure out that they can try it, and if they can't, then they're just giving the puck away because it's going to be, you know, or maybe trying to get in a situation. I just don't... It's one thing when you talk about, like, you know... And Tortorella seems to be moving into this kind of character of, like, uh, I don't know, a heel or, like, kind of that, like... I don't know, like, mm-hmm. that that t- talking head who has just, like, crazy opinions that everybody just dunks on on Twitter is kind of what it seems like, kind of what he's becoming in, in the NHL a little bit. Um, but, like, even with this one, compared to, like, the McDavid comments, I kind of at least understood where it was coming from. But this one, I don't, even if I didn't agree with that, but this one, I don't really understand, like, what would possibly be bad about this. And I don't know. I don't I, think either one of, any one of us knows. Okay, I don't know. I, mean, I was just... I. I
0: I think my general saying is like, I want to see the models break. Right. Like, I think I said (laughs) this with like uh, the, the projections, but like, that's the fun part of, of watching it. And like, I think I wanted to like tweet out like the expected goals. And I think they recorded the shot, like a tad bit too far away. And like, yeah. And it, and it would just be something kind of like berserk anyway, like these rare events are and and they breed so much like conversation about the game like that's what you want this is these are the types of players that you want in the league or like the, the ones who are like exploring and and trevor's always been this like exploratory player like watching i watched him at a few games at at bu and you know he just like has this comfort with the puck and he wants to try things and like that's what we want, and we'll adjust accordingly. I guess like yeah. that's yeah. But those are the fun things, So, the you know, and the underdog stories and everything as well. Like that's kind of why we watch the games.
1: Yeah, well, it's and, a similar thing to cow, right? A couple of years ago with the lacrosse goal, and then everyone was trying that. It was kind of a similar effect afterwards. It's like when that he did it. wasn't it twice, like in a matter of a couple of weeks. He did you know it mean?
0: twice, and yeah, he did yeah. it like a few weeks apart, I think. And I think part of it's like, oh, you know, embarrassing the other the opponent or whatever, and. But I think if you're Buffalo, for one, you're not winning anything anyway this year. And whoa, whoa whoa, <laughs> no. whoa, whoa! I know our weekly Buffalo update. Yeah, you watch <laughs> but, it, Sean. You better watch it. But you know, I don't think it's like something that like you like feel embarrassed. It's you have a peer that is just you know having fun playing against you and they're beating you in a, a fair way. It's not like they're like yeah. cheating. But or... even if
1: it was like showboating, I don't care. I mean, that's me personally. I think. I it's mean, fun. yeah, they're professional athletes. Yeah, and at it's the, the same, same thing. Like, well. I mean, it kind of call, reminds me of like the whole baseball unwritten rules. You know, the showboating, the bad flipping, the kind of like, uh, you know, I don't know what what's the term for it. Like, uh, uh, uh or uh, like yeah, like like what sleeping. is it after you watch a home like if you hit a home run and you just stand there and watch it? What there's a term for that? I yeah. can't. Remember. Like
0: but bad like, flipping or like watching like uh, just admiring your yeah admiring run. your yeah, shot kind admiring, of thing.
1: yeah. Like any of all of that stuff I to all four. Like I, I think it's just fun, it adds character to the game and it kinda you know, it's a competition. And these guys, you know, anyone in a competition I think celebrating is it should I think it should be more celebrated than like Well, yeah, you and, know. and also I mean hockey doesn't really have I mean I'm sure it like at least I mean players celebrate goals all the time. So like I mean that's yeah. just like that's accepted in the game and I think that's the, I will you know, say the only like trick shot like that kind of thing that I thought was bad for the game was the <laughs> spinorama in the shootout. That is the only thing that why I always that, hated. Why was that bad for the game? Because it's dumb. It was a <laughs> dumb move. It was a good thing that they they banned it because you are you go backwards with the puck. Oh, I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, So, yeah, yeah. like, when we first started watching. I but mean, that's, the, that's more like a rules thing, right? Yeah. Where, like, it was not. Also, I, know, I didn't realize this. I will admit this. That I didn't know that high. I thought high sticking was above the crossbar. Like for a goal, but it's not. It's above like the shoulder level of the player.
0: Well, I yeah, it, I think they changed that. Right? Yeah, I I thought it was just above to make the it pro- easier. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah, I mean that makes sense. But that was something I realized because I looked at that. I was like, that kind of looks like it's above the crossbar, and then it was uh, just that's well, not the rule anymore. And, and they, and they did they did review it, but regardless, I just think that kind of goal is. I mean, like I just saw it even it it was like on. All over the place. I don't know if I'm sure it was on ESPN Top Plays and like all that stuff. And I don't. I just think that. But that's that's only good. Yeah. The the more uh, exposure you can get for the league for things like that, I think that it's you know that's one of the things. I mean, people criticize the the league for its inability to market its players, and you know a lot. I mean, we I've seen that been seeing that for years about how they're not able to market and uh, their top players. And I mean, I honestly I think that anything that kind of gets people interested in the sport even if it's just like as simple as a really really kind of very like because I think there's something about that shot that's even more it's maybe for a non hockey fan and I'm just like guessing here but that might be easier to see the skill initially in it than some type of really fast or like skating kind of goal because I think that like a lot of the time when I watch NHL players like the skate they make just skating look super easy like they make it look like it's Anybody could do it. And, you know, if it's just a matter of like like I think that seeing that style of pass and then hitting it out of midair, that just immediately looks way more impressive. Even though there's mm-hmm. some there a lot of the the goals and this and the and and really, really nice skating that you might see, you just don't even realize how difficult that is to do. You know, I remember I think there was like a a video. I mean, this is kind of a tangent here, but I remember seeing a video, this is maybe four or five five years ago of PK Subban doing like warm-ups and he was doing like backward crossover figure eights on the ice. I don't know. I, it was kind of going around and it just like that type of stuff like blows my mind. Because I can like, I, I can, think I can say that Luke and Luke has tried to skate before and <laughs> he's tried to do that same no, I'm just kidding. No, it. I really I'm I love I love skating, but I'm not particularly good at it. Uh but anyway, it's stuff yeah. stuff like that I think that's showing the skill that is in the league in terms of, like, skating has always been something that I'm like, why don't they showcase that a lot more? That was always something that was super interesting well, then to then me. And the other thing, too, is just personality on this, right? Like, right after they scored, you just saw them on the bench just, like, giggling. I mean, it was like they couldn't even, like, you know, it was. Just, I don't know, I just think that stuff's fun. But, yeah, I don't know. I, I th- feel like so too. this is so we're not, we're not yeah. really debating anything. We're no. all just agreeing that this is yeah. cool. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay, sure. it's now on to debating something.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> Penalties. I think we need no. to...
1: <laughs> we need to give yourself
0: you uh some time to talk about penalties for 15 well, minutes. Well, no,
1: it was I I just th- think it's a it was it's still been a topic of debate and before we started recording we were we were discussing it but I mean we don't. We don't need to talk about penalties if, if you do not want to, Sean. Well, I think yeah, you know. we're going to talk about them. Okay. Yeah. Now, the last time we wanted to talk about it, Sean was like, "We're not talking about them." And now yeah. Luke is like, "Oh, we don't need to talk about them." And Sean's like, "We are definitely going to talk about these right now." But well, anyway, I think if, that the issue we, we are, that was that happened this week was the the Winnipeg-Toronto game with some pretty terrible officiating, and the game got out of hand, hits. and some terrible uh, hits kind of in both directions and i mean i didn't know the history but sean you were if you want to going to give people up no to speak, we, I, sure. I
0: think we'll stay out of of the specifics of like the the jets and maple Leafs. maybe it's like just good to let like that die down yeah but when it comes back up in march it'll be we don't need to talk about you know i think it was like march last year um with the whole empty net situation but um yeah it was just kind of i think shana swore in our interview so i could say shit show yeah the whole thing kind of just turned into a shit show and i think both teams agreed that the officiating kind of like let the game get out of hand um and yeah so i think it brought up a conversation again and sheldon keith you know coming out and saying that like austin hasn't drawn a penalty uh that's not offsetting all year and i think we kind of clarified that that might have been five on five i don't know if you guys you guys didn't to check that again did you
1: yeah i think he had one five on five even strength I, penalty draw i thought I, so too yeah.
0: against um rasmus anderson was it in calgary a tripping penalty yeah i think I, so i think so but we that, looked was, into that it. was
1: in it res- i think response to the uh, dubois offsetting minors that yeah. was clearly like not a good call i think regardless the point is that keith was saying that matthews hasn't drawn a lot of penalties he, if he's drawn zero or if he's drawn two or three that's still not very much and that was kind of what started a bit of a t- debate on twitter that we we avoided pretty good we were pretty good at avoiding it for a couple <laughs> hours and then uh, I, I, I i don't know what i got into us but i just why I not I ahead i mean Wow. Look. So so basically, the, we talk, we've already kind of talked about this debate a little bit. I think it was back when we were talking about McDavid uh, a couple months ago around the Tortorella comments. But um, there's a faction of fans, and it's been growing for a couple years. Uh, maybe it's always been there, and I've just noticed it now, um, who just feel that officiating uh, is, well, th- there's a lot of adjectives that could describe, the. I think, the way that some fans feel about it. But mostly that they just, they don't call the rulebook correctly, that um, everything is you know, poor, like, officiating is bad all the time, that the star players... I mean, I don't know. I, I'm summarizing here quickly, but... Well, I think the the real... Sorry, I don't want to cut you off, but the, the no, real fle- point free, that was being free. driven into us when we made this thread is that people are saying that the NHL officiating, they reward pests, and they reward players who bait out penalties. So, like, Brendan Lemieux, for instance, who just got suspended five games for biting someone. <laughs> right, right? That, historically he's been very, very good at drawing penalties. And that's something that I've always found is really interesting because it's like when we're looking at it, it's like these are players that people hate, right? These are pests. These are players that a lot of fans dislike with a passion. This is the Sean Averys, the you know the Patrick Kaleta, Kalita. I don't even I, – I was just saying this earlier, but this is something that even going back to some of the first war models in hockey, back with Warren Ice's model – he would him and Dustin Brown. They draw historically. They've just drawn an incredible number of penalties, which is it's valuable to a team. But we're looking at the data, and it's like, well, I don't really want to. Everyone, whenever I mention this person, are we get a lot of backlash for like saying they're good at drawing, doing something good. Uh, and it's just like I, I don't know. I had the thought of like I think a lot of people, they want those type of players out of the game. And they want those players to not be rewarded for baiting out penalties. And even with like Brendan Lemieux, even last night, like Marcus Fellino was and, and Brent, the Wilder playing the Kings. And Brendan Lemieux did some nonsense that made people really angry. And then, you know, everybody was talking about how he's just a jerk and he's or whatever. He's just, you know, I mean, Brady Kachuk calling him a what, a blockhead. Is that what he said? <laughs> I don't remember. And what it's exactly. like everybody hates Brendan Lemieux and it's like he just, for some reason, people can't contain it, and they take penalties against him. But and I think it's, it's just, I don't I don't know, I don't know is, what to do about that. That's I, what I'm so just, I, I will just d- define, because I don't think we have, well, we don't have a lot of time to get into this too much, but I also don't <laughs> want to get into that much more. But the thing I think ultimately is that, from maybe in case we're not being clear here, is that players who, when you draw a penalty, at least this is kind of the viewpoint of our, I guess our, philosophy in terms of building this and considering penalties as a component of player evaluation, right? That's kind of what it comes down to for us and what I think some players, some people want to just, um, because of the way that officiating works or the refs call penalties, um, it, it maybe doesn't feel like it's fair or in the player's control. But based on the history, it's essentially it's a pretty sustainable or repeatable aspect, and I think you could potentially call it a skill that players, certain players have. At they're good at at drawing penalties. They get players to, and I think there's you know even a couple players who are like you. You could think about players who um. Like Eric Sinek is a good example on the wild. I mean, we're getting to the wild, but Matthew Kuchuk's another player like that who just like irritates the other team. And then they essentially take penalties. And what really, theoretically, what it is is that when you, when a player takes a penalty or draws a penalty, it gives their team a the ability to score more goals on a power play and that's a valuable aspect that players have control over which is why we separate that out into kind of our components and in the gar model in the gar model in our x gar model and that's kind of our approach to this but i I think we're the the real i don't know it's a pretty complicated debate and it's been going on forever but i think the big thing is that it's it's a lot of people take issue with that that notion that players have control over this i think or that players. well i don't think it's necessarily that it's more of that they take issue with the NHL awarding pests with yeah, penalties yeah. that are taken against them. And I, I I totally understand that viewpoint because, but it's just, I was thinking about it and it's like, so what are they supposed to do? What is the NHL supposed to do to kind of not allow that behavior? I guess that would
0: be, I don't know what there's how that's supposed to be addressed. I, I think it's less of, well, I don't know. I think, I think it does bother people with the pet. I think people have an idea of who a good drawer of penalties is quote unquote. And I think it's, it kind of comes down to like fast skating and it's kind of like this just sort of blanket idea. Yeah. And I think you do watch like, a um, let's say kind of McDavid who uh, generally speaking does sit at the top of these tables close to the top of these tables but you watch him and you definitely see probably calls that are non-calls that maybe should be calls or whatever. Um, and I think that's part of the argument that Connor McDavid actually probably should have drawn more calls. And then I think people also just see someone that skates fast and say this should be a player that draws more penalties. Like, bring it back to Austin for a second. Like, Austin's a, a pretty good skater and he's improved his skating but he has a different skating style than Nikolai Ehlers, who um, what's their nickname for him? Like flash or bug or something like, I I don't know. He moves his game. Nikolai Ehlers comes off the perimeter as wing and moves inside frequently. And he's very quick and he's agile. And that probably helps him be at the top of the table. So where Austin Matthews is more of a sort of controlling forward. And he's very strong on his skates and he's just a big, guy i don't think people realize like he's very yeah. big he's not aggressive but he's big and he used to get pushed off his skates as much and i think people have like a problem of what kind of gets called and and awarded and um yeah like i i just think it's it's less there's like People just have an idea of, of what it should be, and I don't think it conforms to that idea sometimes, and I think that's where people's problems largely come from.
1: Yeah, well, and I, I think the thing that for me that is why I bring this up is like I'm not trying to kind of say that, oh, the NHL officiating is perfect. I just think like it isn't clearly that there are issues with it. But I, I've just found it really interesting because I think penalty drawing is such a complicated aspect of the NHL. And it's something where players can clearly add value to their team, but they can do it in a wide range of ways. And that's just always been super interesting to me. And it's kind of like another skater type that I, I see is like Kaprizov, like Kirill Kaprizov. Like he is now become one of the best penalty drawers in the league. And I think that's because of like you were saying about Ehlers is that he moves off the perimeter to the inside and he's very fast. Well, Kaprizov's not very fast. Like, Kaprizov isn't a super fast skater, and he's not particularly small. I mean, I think he's, like, 5'10", so maybe, or 5'11", but he's kind of a big guy. Like, at least, you know, he's he's not, like, scrawny or anything, and it's just the way that he plays is he's playing down behind the net, in close, in tight with defenders, and he has very good, like, puck control. Like, he's very good at controlling and managing the puck in close spaces, which I think leads to people taking penalties against him because if he's along the boards or behind the goal line, you know, that's a very close space and you're probably more likely to, to, to get a stick infraction or get a tripping call or get a slash or something like that. You know, maybe not a slash. That might be more of the fast players who are getting slashed, but like trips or interference or whatever when you're playing in close and i think that that's a player type and then you can look at so there's all of these different ways that people draw penalties and i just have found that really interesting
0: and i would say like another issue i think people might have is like less so about like the frequency of penalties and like also or like more so on the consistency yeah and the um i guess you could say like uh transparency on this as well right they came into this season and i don't know who might have this update and i haven't seen it in a while saying that they're gonna crack down on cross-checking penalties and they called for like the first like few week or two of the season they called more cross-checking penalties and then like that went out the window right yeah and i don't we don't we don't have the data as data people we don't have like the data to like have every single infraction and figure out what's called and like the efficiency of it but it seems like this just kind of gets ignored again. And it was like a thing at the beginning of the year, and then it like drops. I think for a lot of people, that then becomes like a problem with just like the consistency and understanding how games get called. And it's just been a thing forever, right? Yeah, It's just like sports. Well,
1: and that's the Mm -hmm. thing I was going to say also with the panel. I mean, this isn't the first year. I feel like they've been doing that now at least a couple of times before. And it's like one of those things where it's pretty clear to me. One of the issues is that you have refs. I, you know, and again, I don't want to speak on this because I'm ignorant to this kind of topic, but I just think it's something that as refs, it's. That that's how – just based on how penalties have been called and how consistent they've been in the data, not based on how they should be, but when we look at these calls, it's very consistent year over year. And I think there is a certain – um, way that it's called in the league and it would take more than just like a oh we're going to change it and then it changes for a couple weeks and then it goes back to how it always was so I, I don't know I think it's kind of a um, I don't think it's going to get fixed anytime soon I don't really know what they would even fix or how they would do anything um, it's almost something that's like almost a like a, it's a, it would be a fairly monumental change if they just like all of a sudden started calling it how a lot of people who want the rule book called like well then you know I don't know maybe that's a better product it might be um, I, I just think it's it's kind of a – it's a much more severe thing than I think – Well, and, the, would, and you know, just to clarify, like, call the rule book is like, yeah, I want them to call the rule book too. Yeah. You know, it's like – and I, I do get annoyed when, when the refs are kind of letting things go in the third or, you know, when, when – or, quote, unquote, swallow their whistles, whatever you want to say. And that is kind of frustrating. But I think the thing from a data perspective is that it happens to every team, I would say it seems like it's a consistent way that the NHL refereeing happens. And so that's, um, I, I, it's just a systemic thing that happens in the league and it's weird. I don't really get it, but that's just how it is. And I don't really know. Like, I mean, they would need to do a full overhaul of the refereeing. And, and I mean, I don't know what goes into officiating games. I've never been a ref. I don't know any refs. <laughs> and it's like, you know, I don't know. It's just a really I think it's a really interesting topic that that probably isn't going away anytime soon. And this probably won't be the last time we debate no. on the podcast. It probably won't. <laughs> it was a, a mutual under yeah. respect that was where it was yeah. uh, that was reached. <laughs> I think, Sean, is that is that correct? Sure. No. Fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. I'm sure it won't be the last it time. It probably won't
0: so. be the last time. We'll carry it over. Well, our uh, sponsor actually just texted me and oh, yeah. said we're basically running out of time. Oh, shoot. And, yeah, Shayna's waiting on us. Yeah. Well, we already recorded it, but you know <laughs> yeah. what I'm saying. We, need, <laughs> we can't record for too long. I know you guys can go on forever about penalties. Yes. So um, <laughs> any last non-penalty-related thoughts before we uh, the break?
1: No, I hope that this transitions well into our into our uh, segment with Shayna. Is it is it going to? Yes. Maybe not. I don't, yeah. I don't, know. We'll I don't know. We'll see. We'll have Stick see. Stick around. Uh, Stick around. For the second part, we had a great conversation Let us know if we should have sequenced our topics in the first half better so yeah. that Shana, uh, yeah. it, it sets up our guest better. So, you know, it's our first time with a guest, so we're, we're learning still. <laughs> Evolving Hockey Podcast is brought to you by evolvinghockey.com, your home for advanced NHL statistics on the web. When you become a subscriber to evolvinghockey.com, you gain access to such evaluation tools as NHL goals above replacement, regularized adjusted plus-minus, skater contract projections, visualizations, charts, and much more. Visit evolving-hockey.com/login today to become a subscriber.
0: Thank you very much for that lovely message from our sponsor. So now we are joined tonight by or today or whenever you're listening by Shayna Goldman. Shayna, how are you?
2: I'm good. How are you?
0: I'm doing fantastic because you're on. So for right. those you're you're our first guest. You're our first guest, which is special. The first An honor. This is the most listened hockey podcast, if you didn't already know. And so for our listeners that maybe aren't familiar with your work, like what's a what's a quick summary of who Shana Goldman is?
2: She is um, a writer who writes about hockey using numbers and video and then tweets a lot about it.
0: So you do <laughs> you do a lot of writing, so I guess a quick summary wouldn't have been good. But you write for the Athletic and you write for Sportsnet now, right? Yeah. And then you tweet out a lot of gifs, correct? That's not how you say it. Yeah, it's not, not how, how you GIFs. say gifs. No, that's not. That's how we're starting. You, you say gifs. GIF.
2: I say gifs. Yeah, I that's say why GIF. Allison and I have to call them moving pictures because we don't see eye to eye on that or moving anything else pictures. that we have to find compromises.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I feel like a lot of people definitely see your gifs and I'm not on. gonna Pictures. compromise. Just be courteous. We have a guest, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> but but you're a fantastic writer. So I guess you write about. Mail. Thank you. You write. You do your fancy stuff, right? Mm-hmm. You just got hired to write, or you you got I guess promoted, sort of full time with yeah. the Athletic to write about the Devils, and then you different do different are you still gonna do the rangers islander yeah. stuff as well yeah
2: this is like this is like the most confusing thing because i i guess i did not write it clear enough but no i'm doing ranger stuff still double stuff in addition to that and primarily analysis and things like that because that that is what i do i'm not a reporter i will have things that are like when news happens here's the analysis to follow type things um and then i will still have fantasy hockey stuff every friday and then i get to do some national stuff and bounce around like to The wonderful Minnesota Wild this week, I get to do what
1: there a great team! Oh, what a great team! Uh, I'm just sorry, yeah. I, America's I like. Team.
2: I like writing about them, I enjoy it a lot. And now that I have free reign to do it, like, I'm very excited about that.
1: Wow, this is just Sean, he, he's getting get completely overridden <laughs> by the how the pronunciation of, of, of GIF or GIF. He's you know, he's his hatred of the wild is being over, uh, I, yeah, overridden by it's the just... three of us. Just <laughs> loss after loss for Sean, <laughs> yeah. On the but, intro here, and I, I will say it's it's great having you, Shana. I I don't know how many. I think I tweeted this out, and uh, but all four of us began at Hockey Graphs at the same yes. time, um, which is I think something that's very fun as well. I'm trying to remember who else was in the group. Was Namita in? I think I think with, so. Was
0: in
2: well, you were one. You were one at the yes, time.
1: You we were one, yeah. That's another thing. We haven't really talked about it too much on here, but yeah, this was back when we were Luke Solberg. You were just person. Luke, though. Yeah, just, yeah, just Luke. Luke. Just Luke. Luke. I don't how know did how... you
2: decide which name to go with, you know, <laughs> might I, I ask? I actually
1: think we were invited, well, I was <laughs> invited onto the Hockey Wilderness podcast um, that Tony and Joe... Um, were running at the time, and I think that I. This is like four or five years ago now, and I think that I had done something on on uh, the war, like some I don't even know, but basically I think we just like the first thing I did, and then it was like oh, like. I guess we're Luke now. <laughs> <laughs> I think anyway, that was kind of. This, anyway. We're getting we're getting way off yeah. topic here, uh, Shannon. <laughs> I, I just wanted to say that it's a pleasure to have you. Thank you for being our first guest.
2: It's a pleasure to be here. It's an honor to be the first guest, really.
1: Yeah, well, you know, we go back so long, there can only be one. I know, Allison. We shouldn't say that though. We're not gonna. We I, we're gonna edit that out <laughs> what? just so we don't make Allison mad. To, <laughs> yeah, but anyway, anyway, we have we did a whole outline. It's all so professional. Yeah. And you know, so let's what's are we going to just get get right to the topics
3: here?
2: I think just we could we jump right, right in. in. All right.
0: Okay. Well, that's the typical twins taking my job, I guess. But <laughs> <laughs> So this this past week you wrote an article for SportsNet, right? If I'm getting all your articles that came out this week correct. Um uh comparing multiple expected goals no that was the athletic 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 that was the athletic yeah Yeah. sportsnet is
2: strictly stuff with like sport logic data that's right this was going with the public side of it
0: yes you released multiple articles so please forgive me um i think
2: i had i think i like had a record this week of six and i literally do not know how people ship it was it was like a lot it was a lot it was a lot
0: Shane is working hard, so you create you wrote an article comparing multiple expected goals models, which then kind of relates back to this podcast and so I'm already deviating from our outline that mostly Josh I think put together, yeah, so me, no I yeah, wouldn't. so I I'm didn't. deviating already. What was like sort of your inspiration for that, like to write that article?
2: I think expected goals are something like we're seeing them used more and more in the mainstream um there are more traditional writers trying to you know chime in a little bit with like you'll you know we've seen maybe the lead like coursey in there or shot chair so like the next step is trying to use expected goals and I feel like more people are doing that but I still see criticism about it or questions and it might be that I'll post something at the end of a game and maybe it's using natural stat trick and then a couple of minutes later post something from evolving hockey and everyone will be like wait the numbers don't line up and it's like well They're different models using different things. So it helps to clarify which is which to try to answer those questions. And on the other hand, I think as we try to get hockey analytics into the mainstream more and more and more, it helps to along the way have some explainers. So everybody has that, like, I guess a reference piece, you know, like Charlie O'Connor's primers. like anyone asks a question, I'm like, here you go, take this. This breaks it down simply. So now with expected goals being used more, I was hoping this could be something that it's like here, you can now see what, each model builder, because I think, you know, the four of you between Money Puck, Hockey Viz, Natural Statric, and Evolving Hockey, you're like the four core models in the public sphere, 100 percent. So it only made sense to see where you guys all differed.
1: You know, Luke and I are often um, and we can get maybe get this a little bit later, but really in the weeds and don't always see kind of the larger um, outside of this, like how a lot of the public uses that I was kind of curious, just you having um, interviewed and asked questions of the four of us who, who kind of the four main um, public models, I was kind of curious what was like maybe the most surprising thing about how we all approached our own models or like, what was something that was interesting as you found like comparing the four together? Was there something that popped out or was it, were they all, were we all just kind of big nerds who, you know, <laughs> just talked about the same stuff?
2: <laughs> um, there were a lot of similarities. Like, you know, talking about the techniques for the model building. I know your model and Money Puck, there are a lot of similarities that I didn't know. So seeing that, but what interests me was seeing like the difference in opinion of what each person would want next. You know, I kind of assumed pre-shot movement would be the flat out answer from everyone. And I think it was alluded to for the most part, but there were different things like maybe goalie positioning. And I think that was something you guys had mentioned, you know, so, you know, was it really a quality change, you know, a quality save or something like that? Was the in position, did they have to move across the net? Because that makes a huge difference. Um, and I think better tracking data and like shot locations was something mentioned. And then of course, you know, post-shot location. I think that was one for Micah. So to look at like differences between the outcomes, because his is all about that duel between the shooter and the goalie. So this, He wanted to build on that, so I found it really interesting that each of you went in a slightly different direction on what you could want next, because it does show how much more there is to do. You know, I feel like it's come so far, but the NHL's data—it is is what it is at this point. It's
1: the NHL's data, yeah. Yeah,
2: exactly. So it's like it's interesting to see with one model and one stat how many more things can be added to it to give a different view and how everybody looks at it a little differently.
1: Yeah, and it's kind of interesting, I think, just with that aspect of what everyone would want or what they think they would want, because a lot of it is, from our perspective, it's going to be driven by what the model says is good. So it's like we're all only kind of guessing on that. So it's kind of interesting because in whatever model you're using, some model, like some algorithms might be able to incorporate some things, but we really can't know until we would have that type of data. So that is, that is definitely really interesting. I think when I, when we... I, w- I want to say that we had said, at least the thing now thinking about it would be like Corsi shot locations would be so, or sorry, from the blocked shot location thing. That would be really interesting because we're missing like, I don't know, 20, 25% of all shot attempts don't have XG values because they were blocked and we don't have the shot location. So that would, that's always been this, something that I've really um, wanted to have like that just... It just we're kind of missing a complete picture of that. But, yeah, it's definitely really interesting to kind of get that um, kind of view, because I know Mike uh, or Hockey viz, he's very much a lot more in the process of like the game and how plays kind of flow, like just kind of citing back to some of his presentations that I've read. It seems like he's very interested in sequencing things. And I think Josh and I might be more in the uh, just cold, like, <laughs> predicting goals as best we can, you know, kind of more like not. Yeah. But yeah, so that's, yeah, that's, that's pretty interesting. But
2: that, it's super interesting you bring that up with the, the shots, uh, the black shots. That's something I don't think many know aren't included in it or why. And just being able to break that little barrier down, I think makes it, you know, a, a little more digestible, a little more understandable. And even, you know, you were talking about what the model says is or isn't good, you know, shooting talent you can look at it. I know for natural stat trick, it's something he wants to circle back to for money puck. They have it both ways for hockey viz. It's deliberately after that he assesses yeah. shooting talent. And then you know, your, your answer was it, it, it explained your perspective very well. Like it doesn't necessarily work in this model right now. Yeah. And I, I like that. I like the bluntness to it and the openness to it too, because it's not trying to say like, well, we think it doesn't work right now. And that's okay. And here's why. And I think that's the way sometimes it needs to be because some would be like, Oh, I don't understand. Or, Oh, it's just a black box. Like the openness is so important to understand why it is or isn't that way because it's not as simple as I guess some would think, or they say, Oh, you can't have it without shooting talent, but like you can, because I know I could look at it and see it says Alex Ovechkin is scoring way more than expectations. I also know he has one of the best shots in the league. I also Mm -hmm. know no matter what the shooting talent adjustment is, he probably will always exceed that, but It helps to understand it for maybe the lesser players. You know, if a third liner has a super high expected goal value or a super high goal total that's not matching up with his expected goal value, like you might look at it and go, we know he doesn't have the shooting talent to sustain that. So, you know, as much as the models are doing the work, we have to do the work around it and understand the context.
1: One of the things you do so well, Shana, is your ability to explain these very complicated um, models or these complicated ideas, I think, was what you're so great at in terms of writing. And I was kind of curious, just like as you approach these, I mean, I it depends. I don't like to say that these things are too complicated or they're, you know, I think it can kind of create a barrier, uh, like a, a, a kind of a almost like a a certain kind of boundary for people who maybe want to enter this thing but i'm kind of curious just for you like what are things that maybe the um you kind of writing about it like what what's a way like what's like a, maybe a general description that you like to use to talk about these models like uh, or what's something and then also i guess the second part of that is like what's something that like the public kind of still um, struggles with I guess in terms of that that is even for us who we maybe we don't even know this thing sorry I made I made that a two-part question but I guess <laughs> it's okay. maybe just generally I, I'd like to get just kind of your thoughts on how some of maybe we Luke and I could be better about approaching these things because you do it such in such a good way
2: well I think the most important thing that you guys do is you let me ask a hundred questions because if I'm writing about something and I'm using something I won't do it unless I fully understand it and that might lead to me being paying in the S and asking a thousand questions. And it might be me simply sending you something and saying, Hey, is this worded correctly? I do yeah. that with you guys. I do that with Dom. I do that with Micah, because if I can't translate it correctly, then I shouldn't be using it. If I can't make the reader understand it, then I shouldn't be using it. And that's like so important to me. I look at expected goal models and I, to put it simply, will say it's a proxy for shot quality because it actually takes the shot location into account, but I know it's so much more than that. So it's like, you can explain it as the probability of an unblocked shot attempt becoming a goal. And sometimes that is a little too wordy too. So like it does depend on the context, you know, it could be as simple as saying we know all shots aren't created equally. So we use expected goal models. And now the lucky part for me is I can go and you can read about them more here. So I don't have to constantly be like, let me like with, Uh, game score value added, there was like a while there that I was explaining it in a paragraph every time. And then Dom made a new write-up for it. And I was like, okay, link. (laughs) That's it. And whatever it is, like, if that's, I think that's the most important thing. If you're going to use something, you explain it as well as you can, short, long, whatever way you choose to do it, but you need to have your sources lined up. So important. have to have your sources lined up. And if you keep it, the briefer you keep it, the more you need to link to things. And there's honestly nothing wrong with leading an article and saying we're going to do this and this is how we're going to do it and with each concept you put here is what you can read on here's what you can read on and maybe you don't like how that looks you can figure out a way to read it better whatever you choose to do there's so much information out there there's you know like meta hockey you can go on and just search PowerPlays and find 20 articles on PowerPlays. you link them it's so easy to credit the work and it, it's less work for you if you have something you can quickly link to so I think that's like the most important way to like put it all together. But what you guys do is just let me rattle off a hundred questions. Like when we did God, it was two years ago. I think we talked about Frederick Clayson. So it was a while ago because he was oh, on man. the Rangers and it was about Bulls- <laughs> Bolshua replacement. Yeah. And it was explaining what it means and applying it to the Rangers. So from there, like that was my reference piece too when I used it in the future because I had how you guys worded it, how you guys explained it and applied it to the team. And then it taught me how to do it. So things like that always help, you know, just seeing yeah. things as much as you can define a number to have it in, in context. Like I did not know how to use, um, I forget what it was. It was with the Nora story I did. And I asked you guys for help on something with showing penalty killing defenders with the best imp- impacts. And I didn't know how to do it, and is I went to you guys like, "What would you recommend?"
1: Oh, is that a no? That wasn't. Oh, I'm trying to. I'm trying to remember. There's been so yeah. many. I, I oh, think penalty well, kill is things, a whole think, other. Well, what's that, great is I think between at least the. For me, anyway, I mean, I just think I learned just as much talking to like somebody like you, Shana, about how to like to kind of work with these things, and even it gives me great ideas. I think just like having kind of open conversation about these things, as somebody who kind of works more on the models, is like, well, that's like something I hadn't thought about, or like your piece about XG was like getting the input of like these other, you know, all, I mean, we know all of the other public models and their creators, but also like when it's in this kind of, I don't know, uh, like a, a, a discussion format almost is kind of what I read it as, right? It's like even for me, it's like stuff I hadn't thought about. And and I just think there's this really great um, thing that happens where it's like, oh, I'll have like a little, you know, light bulb go off. It's like, oh, that's something also maybe in the future, right? Um, yeah. So I, but yeah, I don't, I don't quite remember what that was that you. Yeah, were...
2: I can't either. <laughs> I just it, it helps to know like, I, like I've even been asked before, like, oh, do the twins have this? I'd be like, just ask them.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah no, that's very true. We easy. we yeah. try to answer all our DMs. Uh, sometimes you know, sorry if we. We didn't get to some. Sometimes we actually just found on Twitter that there's an additional messages yeah. thing. For yeah. People. I think when people message you who don't follow you, it goes into this other. No, bucket. it's it's Twitter has like a little thing. It's like, oh, this might be a mean one, so they put it yeah. in like a separate thing. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, that's I, I think that's another thing. I mean, yeah, feel free to DM us if you have any questions. I yes. guess we'll leave it there. <laughs> yes, we are, and we are always happy because the thing is, I think for us, you know, and this is kind of where like. You know, people like you and Allison and some of the other, Charlie, some of the other writers that are really good at translating these type of models. Cause, like, you know, when I honestly, when I think about this, when I sit down to write things, I mean, I don't write very much. Josh does. Cause I've been, no, I when can't... you
2: guys write, though, you write. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, they you you. write forever. Where it's
0: it's like just God. like they're, it's just like they're talking. Like they'll just sit down and talk forever. <laughs> yeah. Luke, stop talking. <laughs>
1: yeah. But it's funny because it's like I really have to, Because I'm like, no, every little detail is important. I need to write about every little stupid detail because everyone required a decision and I need and it's important and everyone needs to read this about every detail. And it's like, I have a very difficult time kind of getting up above the details because when I when we do these models, there's so many decisions you have to make and they all feel like they're like the, you know... You're just every, too
2: close to yeah, it. Yeah.
1: yeah, and so that's something where it's like, you know, when interacting with you or Allison or Charlie or whoever, it's really nice to kind of get that uh, perspective that's above kind of where we're at, where we're required to be to in order to make these. So it's, yeah, it's very uh, beneficial, I think, to everyone involved for
0: the, you know, conversation. Yeah. I mean... So writer's block aside, I think you, you and I mean, some others, but you specifically are like really good at incorporating these in like fun stories. I think you're like a writer who it's like entertaining and fun. So if you can give advice to Josh and Luke or whoever (laughs) might be listening, how to like incorporate data, but like make it fun or like had different perspectives like how do you go about that like is it like a natural thing or like do you keep something in mind of like a different balance of how technical you get and how like more entertainment based you are
2: um yeah the balance is tough i think i had it when i first started really trying to write with numbers like it was too technical at times and even like when i started with Sportsnet, like now i'm handed all this other data that like i've not had And you have to find a way to find that balance. So sometimes you read it through and you go, this is too much. Or you hand it off to someone else. Like, you know, my boyfriend likes hockey analytics to an extent. He is never going on a sheet, you know, a spreadsheet and looking at it. But he might say, like, oh, can you show me this? And I will. And I'll pull it up for him. Or he'll have a random thing in mind and, like, I'll look it up for him. And he'll read it. But he'll get bored if not. So, like, there are times that will be like, is this too much too? And, like, I'll send him just to get that, like, give and take um and get a different perspective and I think the thing too is like I view analysis as talking shit plain and simple that's what it is (laughs) um if it's good that's great uh but for the most part the last couple years like I have had to talk about bad teams and bad players I have not been on the other side of it talking much about good players aside from goaltenders which and then you're talking badly about the defense in front of them or um (laughs) Adam Fox or like Artemi Panarin except for when I got to like chip in with a couple, you know, Tampa Bay stories and things like that. I've talked about bad teams. So for me, it's, you see something over and over and over again that I'm sitting there. Like I take notes throughout games. So I have like everything lined up that if I go, I want to write about K Andre Miller, I have, you know, 20 clips from the last week. I can easily just look it up and go back and take a video of it. Um, but you you think of things as you watch it and you take notes and just try to piece it all together to figure out what's informative, what's entertaining at the same time, because you don't want it that someone reads half it, rolls their eyes and closes it. And I think that was the biggest thing for me because I was constantly writing stories that were over 2000 words. And I'm like, okay, try to get it to 1500 or less. And there are times I cannot, I cannot at all, even like this story, it was so much longer and I trimmed it down. And I'm like, I got it under 2000. I did my job, but it's it's hard sometimes so it might be brightening it up with you know a good visual whether it's a chart or a you know a video or something like just to keep it together and it all serves a purpose so maybe something that you could write in two or three paragraphs you can put in a chart and then you just point out things without breaking down the entire thing maybe you have to explain how to read the chart if it's something like a heat map because not everybody knows that but like it's just finding a way that you're not like staring at a wall of text and it feels overwhelming. And yeah, you got to have fun along the way. Like that's, that's the biggest thing. Like I did something on Cy Young candidates and it was something I wanted to do for weeks. So I knew the second idea that like I was having fun with this. I had questions I wanted answered. And that was the biggest thing. Like it was something that interested me and I wanted to answer my own questions. So maybe that's what it is. You have a question, you want to answer it. Or someone might say to you, hey, can you look at this? Now, you know, you're looking for answers, too.
1: Yeah. And I, I think I, I it was interesting you talking about it. I know that I'm just following you on Twitter. You do watch quite a bit of hockey, right? Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. so I was kind of curious just on that, right, and this idea of entertainment. And I, I can relate to this as well, but it, for me, it's different. But for you, do you find, like, watching hockey is maybe the biggest inspiration for where you were going to write about hockey? Yeah. Or do you find, okay, so, like, because some I know some people, like Luke and I are maybe not quite as much, although we watch more hockey than maybe some people think. But, like, So do you find that that's that there isn't really another like that's a lot of your writing comes from just ideas while you're watching the game or are there other aspects or maybe following Twitter or, you know, okay,
2: Yeah, like it might be I get asked something and then I'm looking into it. It might be like Neil Pionk. We could watch him when he was with the Rangers and. You know, we're all biased. That's the biggest thing. We are all biased. Mm-hmm. And we don't think we are, but we are. And he could score a beautiful end-to-end goal, and people would think, oh, my God, he's incredible. Look at look at what he does offensively. And I started looking at the numbers, and I had questions because I'm like, my eyes are telling me he's good offensively. I see defensive lapses, but I see good things offensively. Is he really not driving play? Is, is he really one of the worst defensemen in the league defensively? Which, in New York, he was. So it just created like seeing that gap created more questions for me to dig into both with the video and with the numbers and try to figure it out. And he was kind of an anomaly. We knew the systems were bad in New York. We knew that being partnered with Mark Stahl was not great for his game, but it didn't explain everything. And then when he went to Winnipeg, a lot of it was answered, but still like not perfectly. So I think sometimes looking at numbers and seeing what stands out might be interesting too. And that's, for fantasy like that's the biggest thing like for fantasy I might be watching and be like oh this player looks great let me check his ownership percentage and go from there but for a lot of it like this week I looked at expected goals for everything I wanted to stay on theme so I saw who had the biggest gaps in actual to expected goals and I wanted to see who had the best impact relative to their teammates you know offensively in particular and I went from there so then I started looking at the video and then I came back around to writing so you can go data first, but I think it's still going to bring you back around to the video then.
1: Yeah. And I think that's one thing that's always been kind of just to relate with that was that that's always one of the things I've really liked is like looking at a player. And I mean, I, you know, you know, everyone knows how much we love Jared Spurgeon, but it's like, you know, that was kind of one of the things for, for me was like when we were, watching and seeing the numbers and what our models were outputting. And then it's like, it kind of informs how you watch the game too. I think because you can kind of look, it's like, Oh, that doesn't necessarily, I'm not really noticing this play or I'm not really noticing why that is. But then you kind of start to hone in on something like that. And you kind of see, you can, it kind of enlightens you to things they might be doing without the puck or things with how they're controlling the flow of the game that you might not necessarily have seen before. So I, I definitely relate with that. I think too.
2: Like a Minnesota example from a few weeks ago, I was looking up Brian Hartman for a fantasy column. And this was right around the time he got put between Kaprizov and Zuccarello. And I saw his heat map. And this was primarily from him not playing with them. And I was so surprised at how good it looked offensively. So I was like, okay, I kind of want to keep an eye on this one. And every couple games I was checking back on it. And I was watching him play too. And like he looked good out there. There was no doubt about it. He's noticeable you know, throughout his shifts, especially when he got put with them. And that's been the whole thing. I thought Eric Seneck would be a great fit. They're going to have this incredible first line. I was a little worried about their lineup balance, but it was like, who cares? Put Eric Seneck with the best players and see how it goes. So when I noticed this about Hartman, though, it gave me something to look out for by the numbers and it gave me something to look out for on the ice watching them. And that's what inspired my story for this week on them was that. They found a center that's clicking with them and it's working. So then from there, I started looking at more data to try to figure it out, you know, like looking at Corey's tracking data to see, is Zuccarello doing anything different? Because I thought he looked a little more, more noticeable so far this season that he's doing a little bit more and that he's shooting more, even though his shot rates really aren't that noticeably different. So I was curious, like what difference there was like relative to that line too, like within it. And it all started by looking at a player's heat map one day, being surprised by it and just having questions from there.
0: The rabbit holes of of life. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Endless. Endless. We can go down rabbit holes here as well on the podcast (laughs) and even offline while we're waiting to record while Josh and Luke get their coffees. (laughs) Maybe switching gears a bit. So I think you kind of gave us some good insight onto your process. Now that you're going to be covering the Devils, you haven't necessarily covered them a whole lot before, right? Like Largely, it's been the Rangers, but you're going cross the uh the bridge to newark how do you kind of get like a handle on the team and how do you get like prepared to write about them on a regular basis what's sort of your process there
2: so i've watched the devils play like my whole life because i grew up watching the rangers so i watched their opponents so i knew how to talk shit about them properly (laughs) this is not like a foreign team to me and that's the nice thing when it comes to the rangers and islanders when the devils started their rebuild it was around the same time as the rangers too so i was like closely following it but i don't know them like the back of my hand as much as i have watched them play whether it was i was assigned to one of their games for work or just watching them because that's what was on and i have them on cable or something like that um so it is an adjustment to the first official game of me covering the devils 2 was last monday night which was like a crazy day so i didn't really tweet about the game because i'm like i'm just gonna focus on it i don't want to clip anything i don't want to miss anything I just want to focus on it. That's when they played Ottawa. And it was a little bit tough to like, you know, get with it as quickly as I'm trying to, because their first couple games overlapped with the Rangers after that. So that's been like the hardest part of it is like focusing on just one. So it was like, I watched both games and then afterwards I watched one game and then I went back and I watched the other game. So I'm like, okay, now I'm up on it. It's going to be a learning curve. But I think the fun thing is when I don't know a team like the back of my hand, I don't have like the same, I don't want to say the same ideas, but I guess like the preconceived notions, like if you ask me something about the Rangers and we're like, oh, what's wrong with this part of the game? I could tell you, I wouldn't have to think about it. I wouldn't have to push myself. I could just tell you it because I just know it. When it comes to a different team, that's not the case. Like when I got to cover the Islanders during the playoffs a bit, I think it was two years ago, maybe when they played Carolina, when they got, when they swept and then got swept. Um, I was writing about power plays and I knew their power play pretty well, but I didn't know much about power play formations in the whole nine yards that I'm like, okay, let me now read up about this. And it pushed me to look at them differently. And it pushed me to learn about the systems and all that kind of part, like all of that better than I already had it because I don't have that same like foundation of my knowledge with the team. So hopefully this will do the same thing, you know, already, like I'm looking into things about world juniors that I never Never did. I watched World Juniors for fun. Even with the Rangers, like it was never my job to talk about this stuff. So I'm like, okay, now there's a little bit more free reign for me to do it. Let me look into things that I didn't before. And hopefully that'll inform me more about them in a different way than just having that knowledge base that you just, you know, have from focusing in on one team for so long.
0: And is more of this like, I guess focus on like the whole organization whereas like the rangers you kind of focus more on like the on ice project like really exciting like you wrote about like a few years back and we still get notifications on like the hockey graph slack um (laughs) but people tag it all the time or whatever you wrote all about like how players get made made play (laughs) paid you know the escrow and their taxes and everything and sometimes you tweet out like your little i'm assuming it was like an in Apple numbers or something like your yeah. sort of salary cap stuff in, in New York. So is that like an exciting part for you to kind of get into a little bit more?
2: Yeah. I like anything that deals with like the money aspect of it. That is like contracts and anything like that. Like that intrigues me a lot, but like keep in mind before I became a hockey writer, I was going to become an accountant. <laughs> That's why I have like that. Like, you know, it interests me so much, but yeah, things that come down to like money and contracts definitely interest me a lot. And it is cool to get to have that option to go big picture on things. And I think I really can now with anything. You know, it's it's a little bit different for me now. So I can approach things differently, but I can also approach them the same. Like I can still do something on the Devil's Power Play, which is absolutely horrible, and do a big deep dive on that, which I plan on doing soon. Or, you know, looking at the worst scoring chances they've allowed against, which are the same stories I've done for the Rangers and plan to keep doing, but now I have that option to, you know, look at something a little bit differently too. And I think that's good because it's going to push me to do things differently. You know, I don't want it that something I do, I do get stale and I like coming up with ideas and then applying them to other teams too. I think that's what's fun because then you get a little more perspective. If you want to see the worst scoring chances against one team allows and, and you would do that, you know, by going on evolving hockey and go through that play-by-play tool and sorting by expected goals against and figuring it out. You know, that's how we did it a couple seasons ago. You see the themes. Now you do it for another team. You just got a totally different perspective. And now you're comparing how teams actually defend. And I think that it, it should get you a better perspective. I think if you only cover one team every single day, and I didn't have this as much, because again, I did analysis. I did other things along the way it's really hard to keep that perspective on what everybody else is doing because there's no time. If you're a full-time writer or full-time beat writer, it is really hard to look anywhere else besides your team because that is what you're doing 24 seven. So if I can have these ideas and now start applying them, I think it'll just help my perspective get better and inform me more about things about the league. So when I say things like I have reasoning for them because I don't like to say things without it having that like evidence base, you know? as much as we could put out a hot take out there if I'm writing something i need it to have here's what i'm saying and here's something to back it up
1: yeah and i just look devils power play is really bad <laughs> it's, horrible. It's, it's really bad their short handed play is pretty good but they're really yeah. good but well not the goals against but yeah they're having trouble on the power play. <laughs> but side note, Luke side just notes. had to—he he couldn't. I had, he, had, to, he, had to pop over to a volley hockey and check yeah, he and, couldn't check couldn't charts. I, I guess maybe I think we may have one more time, or we have time for one more question here. I was just kind of curious, if maybe, is a now that you have three teams that you're covering, which one do you like more? What's your favorite team? The Rangers, <laughs> Islanders, or Devils? Yeah, and be I hate a truthful. I hate them all. No, <laughs> Me too. I
2: I'm invested in different things about each team. I'm intrigued about things. I think. I have a lot of questions about things with the Islanders front office. I think that they needed stability and I think they got it. I think that Trotz was the right coach for them at the time because they needed someone who could teach them defense. I'm curious about where they go from here, especially with so much of their team locked up with the Rangers. I watched them sell everything off. I watched them be terrible. I never got to cover a good hockey team because of it. (laughs) Um, The fact that they're good, it is in part because they're lucky that Artemi Panarin wants to sign there and Adam Fox. But there's so much that's intriguing about where they're going to go from here too, especially after this offseason, which I didn't agree with a lot of what they did. And I thought they'd be a better team than they were, regardless of everything they did. And then I thought they kind of like hindered some of their chances with it. But it's interesting to see how things are going. And now they're a much more watchable team. So that part of it is fun too. With the Devils, there's a lot of young talent there. And now I'm really interested to see how they go. Because there were years when you take those rebuilds head-to-head that you would look at the Devils and go, they're going to be the better team this year. And then they weren't. Or that you thought the Rangers totally had it on the Devils. And, you know, so it's not just the head-to-head part of it, but I'm always curious about how rebuilds can go right and wrong because there's lessons around the league you can learn. And there's things that you need to avoid. And there's things that some teams might think is a lesson that they're learning from another team, which is not the path to follow at all. You know, you look at teams like Edmonton, what they've done and Winnipeg and Chicago and Pittsburgh and Tampa and all of those rebuilds, and Buffalo. And you need to pick and choose what you want to take from each one. So I'm interested to see where they go from here too. So I think each one's in a different position that makes it interesting. It's not like you have three contenders. You have three teams at totally different phases. You have the playoff team, the team that wants to be a playoff team and the rebuilding team still. I'm curious how it all goes and then how their timelines start to differ too depending on what path they take because the Islanders could fizzle out in the next, you know, in five years because their players at their core is going to be old, but they could make it changes on the fly that they stay competitive at that same time. And then how the devils rise, you know, it'll just be like interesting to see how the three teams go up against each other too.
0: Well, I think we're, we're out of time here. Um, Shayna, you want to plug yourself? Where can people find you on Twitter? And then again, where you write, and whatever else here. Any other shout-outs <laughs> you want to give? Yeah.
2: You can find me on Twitter at HeyShea. It's H-A-Y-Y-Y and then it's Shay the same way, three Y's. Um, it's terrible. I, never, I,
1: I, love, I love that it. handle. It's legendary. It's really. a great handle, yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. It, it is my high school handle. Did not think <laughs> I'd be here doing this ever, <laughs> so I never changed it. And um, it just works now. Except for when I have to explain it like this <laughs> so to be like to every single time I say it or like I'll hear someone saying it on a podcast. I'm like, oh shit. To I always say, it, say like, that it's
1: three Y's, right? It's three yeah. Y's twice. Yeah, it's like not. Three, y- to... It's
2: it's Shay without the S the first time. That's why it you know, like it flows.
1: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: yeah. But the three Y's, yeah, three Y's and three Y's. Um, it was a thing. It was like yeah, 2011. It's it's how it goes. <laughs> um, you can find my writing at the Athletic and Sportsnet. I have. Uh, Two stories a week at Sportsnet, pretty much, and uh, at The Athletic every Friday, there's uh, Fantasy Trends and waiver Wire Gems, and then things sprinkled around that, and if you follow me on Twitter, you'll see all those things posted there, plus things I sew like NHL scrunchies.
1: Yeah, and
0: some, some amazing dogs as well.
1: And face oh, well,
3: mask,
0: yeah, and amazing yeah. dogs. <laughs> Shayna has just a lot going on. Probably a lot my favorite, on. my favorite follow for sure. So give her a follow. Yeah,
2: but see, I have so much going on. I fall behind on the last three seasons of The Bachelor. I have not seen shit, which is not me. <laughs> to be
0: honest with you, I'm in the same. I'm in the same boat. Hon- honestly, like uh Peter season really was just it kind of it
2: was me horrible. Off,
0: it was <laughs> this bad. is this is where Luke and I yeah. have nothing to add. Yeah, I never I never
2: this is, I, we. This is what we we talk about the Bachelor every every week. You be like did you watch it and i'd be watching it later on after work (laughs) but like it's a show i never missed ever never (laughs) i saw it from season one like i watched every and then the last like couple seasons i'm like "Mm,
1: i suppose that's that's time yeah that's that's uh yeah that's what happened (laughs) yeah people get back on the horse eventually but shana thank you so much for, for stopping by and being our first guest it was a real pleasure to have you um Best of luck with the Devils with your future coverage as well. And uh, everybody, make sure that you you go and read her writing. It's incredible. It really is.
2: Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for having me.